Good evening everybody and welcome to Let's Talk Assassin's Creed on a more podcast for all things Assassin's Creed. Good evening everyone and welcome to episode 114 of Let's Talk Assassin's Creed. Uh, last time, episode 113, um, we had a guest on the show, Sani Flame, and we had a really good um, discussion and review and, and gave our thoughts on the Odyssey crossover story, um, Those Who Are Treasured, um, that was released uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago now. And uh, in this episode, we're coming back to do the second half of this crossover story. So a, a new story in Valhalla called A Fated, a Fated Encounter. Um, I played it and completed it a few days after release. We, we should say that we're recording this on the 21st of December. This will go out New Year's Eve. Declan, what's what's the plan for release? I think it is New Year's New Year's Day. I'm going to try and get it out, yeah. New Year's Day. So by then, you know, people, probably lots of people have completed the story. It will have been released for a couple of weeks. But uh, we're planning ahead so that we've got an episode coming out um, every week as normal, even over the Christmas and New Year. Uh, period. So I finished the the story and all of the, the side content on the island of Sky three or four days ago. Declan, have you had a chance to finish the story? I finished the story last night. I kind of rushed through it to get it done for today's episode. I just zoomed through it, but I haven't done any side content. So I'm hoping to revisit either Sky to the Sky content. Sky content. Side content. <laughs> I'm going to just call it Sky Content now. It makes Sky, sense. I like that, Sky Content. We're on the Isle of Sky up in Scotland, so why not? Why not? So um, we've both finished the main story, so we are going to talk spoilers here for um, the story as you play in Valhalla. We may revisit and talk about some of the items in Odyssey. So if you've not played this story, go play it, then come back and listen to us. Or, you know, listen to the spoilers. It's 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 all good. Um, actually, maybe we start with the Isle of Sky, um, and I, I want to come back to something I said when we were discussing the Odyssey episode last week, and I really felt that Corfu, the new island, although it was it was the same assets, you know, it's the same grass, they're the same trees, the same rocks as we have in other parts of the Greek world, I really felt like they were combined in a way that gave Corfu its own feeling. It felt like a unique location within, um... The world of Greece. I didn't feel the same with Sky, if I'm honest with you. It's really beautiful, green fields of some sort of low mountains, a couple of very high um, vantage points. You've got beautiful sea. The lighting in Valhalla is is amazing, but it didn't feel quite as special to me as a location. Did you have any thoughts on the the setting for this new story? Um, I personally, I think it's just because being British and having an addiction with British outdoors. I was kind of more hooked, and I haven't played Odyssey, so I'll probably be more addicted to Corfu than uh, Valhalla's, but I've always adored the British, the way Britain looks from an outdoor point of view. You know, I live mm. up in the Lake District, so I've got the fells, the lakes, and everything, and it's fantastic. So Isle of Sky is, you know, a very remote, grassy area, and, you know, you get that sense straight away, and it was kind of magical, but there is one feature of Sky that is in all parts of Valhalla except Siege of Paris that is starting to annoy the hell out of me. Oh, go ahead. The weather. <laughs> like, I know we're British, and I know you know the British memes about the rain, but 
why is it 90% of all of Valhalla's weather, except for Siege of Paris, is rain? It's yeah. just too much. And I'm, I don't mean to be picky, I just feel like I spend more time in Sky when I first played it meditating for clear skies so I could take screenshots without it raining. That is a really good point. It is hard to get a nice portrait or a nice landscape because it does rain a lot in the game. But British, it doesn't rain that much in Britain. It's like <laughs> it hasn't rained for two days. In Valhalla, we would have had 15 ounces of rain. <laughs> true, true. Um, so I'll tell you what, what we should say in terms of um, starting the new story. Um, there's a couple of prerequisites. So you can play this story at any point. It'll become available to you um, from Ravensthorpe. But you do need to be, I think it's settlement level four. So you've got to have completed some of the, the content and story content um, in England. Or maybe just done a lot of raids so that you've earned those supplies to build your settlement. And Valka must have arrived from Norway. Now, what I don't remember, because I've only played through the main story of Valhalla once, I don't remember if Falca arrives after a specific quest or just when you get to settlement level four, it kind of triggers that that cutscene where Valka arrives. But Valka has to have arrived in Ravensthorpe. And then there's a new guest that, that asks you, asks Eivor, um, to head north to help out with, well, people losing sleep, isn't it? Um, and having strange dreams and nightmares. Um, um, when we arrive, we, we're sent straight to a town called Kilteraglan. Um, Eivor follows a series of pretty simple clues. There are some obvious hints to uh, eagles being seen in people's visions and, and a warrior with a braid. I have to say, playing on the whole braid thing did make me laugh because when we saw Ranvi in the trailers more than a year ago now... Um, I mean, my immediate conclusion, and a lot, of, you know, a number of fans looked at Ranvi's character model, particularly the hairstyle, and went, "That's that's Cassandra's hairstyle." It, you know, not 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 a criticism of of development. There's only so many hairstyles a, a character can have. I get that that assets get reused, designs get reused, not a problem. But a number of people were thinking, "Is that actually supposed to be Cassandra?" But just sort of hiding as a different character or some some strange relation of Cassandra. I don't think it is. I don't think Ranvi is, but it was a nice play on that that similarity where Valka said, "I've had visions of Ranvi um, causing trouble," and then we go to find this warrior with a braid. Um, Eivor follows the clues. She she heads towards a, a ruined, cursed church with thick fog everywhere, dead bodies everywhere, and we see Cassandra through the mist. Um, what did you think, Declan, when you when you came in and you could see Cassandra pacing back and forth through the mist? Then we finally go and talk to her. Um, before we get to that, there is two things I want to discuss. One, mm. I broke the game. I don't know how I did it. I broke the game. Okay. Um, but I just want to quickly go back a couple of steps because I didn't. Get, I forgot to mention this. Yeah, go for it. You mentioned how you can play the game before completing. Uh, the main game, right? You've got to get to level four. Correct. Well, um, sorry if he's listening and I butcher his name. I think it's Yasimo from the Mentors Guild. He's a Spanish mentor. Mm. He actually sent me, sent the mentors two pictures. And you might like these. And he put, after main game, Basim, verse before main game. 
right, as Layla. And on Layla's desk, there's a note saying, Note regarding Cassandra. This must be a first. Ava actually met Cassandra. This means that Layla, as an Animus host, met a previous Animus host in the, in the simulation. Could Layla have noticed anything odd in the Animus brought on by Cassandra's sudden appearance? Not only that, but could the staff have sensed Layla's presence as its current keeper? I have so many questions. And Hang on a minute. You're, you're going to I, I, My brain has just been fried. So, and I haven't done this. So if you exit, I have seen a picture of this. So if you, or someone screenshotted it, if you exit the Animus after this quest, after a fated encounter, there's a letter, is there, or there's a note in the, the hut in the yeah, modern day. There's two depending on who you are. So if you've done it before the main game, you'll ah, get that one gotcha. off with Layla. That's one's Layla specific. But if you do it after you beat the main game, you'll get a Bassin one saying, note regarding Cassandra. So the great eagle bearer travelled all the way to the land of the Picts. I wonder what else the legendary mercenary might have accomplished after leaving the Greece centuries ages ago. ago. Alephia's memory was well accompanied by Cassandra. I only wish it could have been me instead. So you get that really heartfelt. Okay. So he wants to, yeah, yeah. Wanted to be with Alethea. So, uh, that is a shout out to Yasimo. Um, but I'm really sorry for pronouncing the name. But on to the actual topic of meeting Cassandra. I broke the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Go on. What happened? So prior to this, I read the IGN walkthrough to see if jog my memory because I sped okay. through it. Yeah. And. On the first mission, you've got to talk to people to get an answer to the nightmares to find the location. Now, according to the IGN, there's four people you can, three or four people you can talk to. Yes. Like one's in a hood, one's standing out. However, on my playthrough, I found the bride straight away. Okay. And I talked to the bride, and that completed the mission straight away. So. I kind of did not speak to four people in the village. I spoke to the bride, and she right. told me to go to the church. So. I had the same as you, and I didn't know that was not supposed to happen. No, according to the IGN guide, because, as I said, I read the um, walkthrough 10 minutes ago, mm. because I was like, well, I need you know, I need to know what I'm doing. It's jog my memory. I sped through it, and I think I sped yeah. Um, skip too many uh, two cutscenes by accident, but yeah, when I read the guide, um, tossing and turning to the mission, yes, there is about four people in the village you can talk to. There's um, the groom, you can talk to the groom, uh, cursed guy civilian. Mm-hmm. There's also um, the bride, which is the one I went to first. So you're meant to talk to the cursed civilian first, the groom first. And he's like, doves on a wedding day spell luck, but an eagle, nothing but doom, nothing but doom. <laughs> um, and then you might find a curse for the interrupting the hut, and it's it started with a bird's eye view. No, no, an eagle's view. And then eventually, you know, you get the bride. It's at a church in northwest town. It's all saw my dreams. Interesting. So it's interesting how you meant to find three people to put it together, but no, you can talk to the groom and you see Cassandra and... This is where I give pros to the developers. The fight scene. <laughs> they the, the choreography of that oof. scene. Yeah. They could have turned it into a cheesy battle with Cassandra. And I'm not, not mean that in a harsh way, but it was 
the predictable moment you fight Cassandra as a character. Mm. Uh, but no, to make it a cinematic set piece yeah. was the icing on a cake, especially after what you discussed the other day with Odyssey, and she said, I prefer to fight with a spear. <laughs> and then sharpens an axe handle. It was, oh, it was fantastic. So good. I, I just wanted to watch that fight scene over and over again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a hard fight. They were not holding, they were not pulling any punches. Uh, but it was also a very inventive, uh, creative um, choreograph- choreography. You know, um, Eivor uses her throwing axes ability that we, I think it might be the first ability we unlock in Norway. Um, she uses her harpoon. Um, and again, the way that wh- whoever had the creativity to think, how can we use these abilities to tell a story, but also in a bit of fun, but also to show that this is a this is a fight scene grounded in what you as the player have probably unlocked by now. It was fantastic. It really was fantastic. My question for got- you, Declan, would you have liked to have played as Eivor played through a fight? Or were you yeah. happy to sit back and watch it? I would not have played through a fight, no. Okay. It, playing through a fight ruins the moment, you know. Because the first time you fight and you try and attack with your hidden blade, you know, Cassandra makes yes. a note of it mentally. She's like, ooh. And then the second time, you, you're like, okay, we've both got something to talk about. Yes. I really don't think there would have been a good enough flow with Valhalla's boss battle system for us to be able to, you know, do that sort of mechanicalness to make yep. it make sense. Because if point. people were just playing really heavy build with spears, ooh, spears, <laughs> then it wouldn't make sense, you know, that Ava's throwing a harpoon about because they may not have it on the ability wheel. So that's all a very good point, actually. Things. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you, you, it does make sense. They can they can set the tone and the pace of the fight, use the abilities they want by script. I mean, I was happy to sit back for a couple of minutes, or maybe it's only a minute long. I don't know how long it is. It's not very long, but it is intense, isn't it, um, between these two? It's actually one of my favourite fight scenes, I've got to admit. That was, my, that was actually going to be my next question. How would you kind of rank it in the in terms of... Uh, you know, rendered or scripted cutscene fights. How does it? Uh, how does it rank? I mean, I thought it was a pretty. It was a strong introduction, absolutely, um, um, for the two I, of them. The rank I'll give it, and I'm probably going to get shot for this, is up there with my all-time favorite cinematic pieces of AC history. Mm. The Revelations trailer for Ezio is fighting all them guards, oh, and yes. then. He gets, you know, about to do the leap of faith and he sees Altair. That is one of my most impactful cinematic That's a good scene. That is a Along, good scene. Alongside the uh, cinematic trailer for Origins, because I just love the shoots the arrow and, you know, you get that cheesy um, reality where people think arrows are just straight, but you can see the arrow wobbling because of the type of materials. It looks yes. realistic. Yes. And he catches it. That's just... So... This one has to be up there with them three. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big cutscene person, but it just kind of drove home two iconic characters. You know, a mercenary who doesn't need to act like an assassin. You know, she's stronger than most assassins. You know, they hide in bushes, yeah. but she could 
probably take on Altair and Ezio in a fist fight. <laughs> so I, I think so. But you know, you've brought us straight on to a point I wanted to make. So as you said during the fight, sort of halfway, two thirds way through the fight, they get very close up. Eivor sort of activates her hidden blade and, and Cassandra holds her arm and holds it back. A few seconds later, Cassandra's in with her left arm. She activates her hidden blade. And again, Eivor blocks it. And Cassandra says, it looks like we do have some things to talk about. They've both got hidden blades. Um, first of all, Cassandra has a hidden blade. That is fascinating from a a character history point of view. Where has she been? Who has is, who is she met? How did she get the design? Or who built it for her? All of these questions. Um, but also the next conversation they have is... Um, I forget the exact wording, but it's along the lines of um, Cassandra says to Ava, you know, you, are you aligned or do you work for the hidden ones? And you've got a dialogue choice there. I don't think it matters what choice you make. I, I said, I, I don't trust them because, hey, I've got to the end of the game. Basim was a hidden one. He's not to be trusted. I don't trust the hidden ones. But Hytham is a sweetheart. So it's kind of balanced there. Um, and then um, Ava asks Cassandra and she says, I don't work something along the lines of I don't work for the hidden ones. But I, I, is it I admire their goals or I'm aligned to their goals? And again, another very important piece of information for, let's be honest, fans have been arguing for three years since Odyssey was released. Is Cassandra a quote unquote assassin? Is she a capital A assassin or hidden one member of the, the Brotherhood? Or is she a rogue agent? And we finally got some clues. She, she wields a hidden blade, so she must have some connection or have some occasional contact with them. Um, but she says very clearly she likes their work. She's aligned to their goals, but she works alone, um, which I think it, it's a ni- it's nice to hear that. It, it still allows for a lot of interpretation. It allows for a lot of storytelling flexibility if they choose to use it in the future. Um, but it does kind of settle that. What is Cassandra's role? What has she been doing? Who, what groups or what, what creed, for want of a better word, does she follow? Um, and so I thought that was a very, very good couple of sentences um, to hear. I think, but in that whole talk, there is something Cassandra, uh, Cassandra Avar replies that has kind of put me in a bit of a concern about Valhalla's storytelling. Okay. And, I really hate saying that because Valhalla's story is one of my favourite in the franchise. It's just, she agrees that she also admires the roles that the assassins, well, the goals of the assassins. Mm. But during the entire story of Valhalla, she never once openly admits to Haytham that I can remember that she agrees or admires the work. So, well, so this, yeah, I, I, I this is one of the problems that we have with the way that Valhalla's post-release content is structured. Um, you can access uh, Siege of Paris, Wrath of the Druids, and this story. I think the other, actually the other stories, the, the DLCs, you can access even earlier. I think you can access them, when, is it when you reach settlement level two? Or when, you, when you've completed one story arc, I think... That may be wrong, but you can you can start the two DLC um, stories very early on. You can start you start this one a little bit later, I think. But again, you can still start it long before 
you finish the full story and been back to Norway and, you know, Basim uh, comes out of Yggdrasil and, and all the rest of it. So all these, these three expansions all suffer from the same problem, which is because you're allowed to start them at any, at any time with, with a great degree of player choice, it's very hard to fit them in to Eivor's character growth or her chronology. You know, if this was being done after um, she'd been back to Norway and seen the ISU supercomputer and all the rest of it, she'd probably have a lot more appreciation for these devices, the, this piece of Eden that they're hunting. Um, but if it's very early on, she should be more surprised and more more shocked, for example, when she uses her Odin sight and sees Cassandra sparkling with, with golden beams. Um, so that is, it's not a problem. Hey, it was still a good story and a good um, quest line to follow, but it's just one of those little things where you think if they made a more clear decision, this will only be accessible after the main story. You could make the narrative a bit more useful for, for developing the uh, Eivor story. That's my opinion. I think I do agree, but I think at the same time, I'm in the opinion, and I'm basing this off the... Oh, I can't remember the novel's name. Is it the German saga? Right. I think it's... I can't I'm not good at it. <laughs> uh, German saga, is that German like saga. a pre prequel it, of Eivor's time, I think? I've not read it. I don't know. It's a weird one, because halfway through it, um, the main character, German goes to Jorvik, okay. and it's during the actual Jorvik arc Eivor meets, because you meet Eivor and she talks about going to uh, Ravensfall and having her own clan, so you meet Eivor again. And so when I see these DLCs, I kind of mentally disagree with the argument that, oh, this should be set after the main game. However, okay. I understand with the times of the Siege of Paris, uh, that historically took place after main game, so... That one's different. That should have gone after Endgame. <laughs> yeah. But the others, it kind of fleshes out what Eivor did between each arc because then it gives the whole sense that each arc wasn't done overnight. You know, it took years. I think this could have taken place over five years, for example. So having stories that don't fit into Endgame, it kind of acts as those stories of in-between. And I think that's where the crossover got me a bit confused because I feel like this is a story of Eivor between her starting landing in England and reaching the Yggdrasil device. This is like something she did in the middle of it. It's not something she did afterwards. So I think that from that story point, it's kind of good, but it still gets confusing with the, uh, you know, with the way they talk about the dialogue choices. So it's just, to be honest, it's the whole problem of live service gaming. That's yeah. the issue. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's directly down to the narrative direction or the developers who write the stories because the stories are perfect. I think Siege of Paris' story is brilliant, so is Wrath of Druids, and so is this crossover. But when you've got a live service game, you have to work so hard to make sure everything fits somewhere. It's just mm. it's a nightmare. Mm. You shouldn't have that restriction. I think... Drop life, life service is good if you make sure that after a six month period that gives everyone a chance to play, everything is permanently end game and just builds. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I think we made, I can't remember if we made this point when we spoke two weeks ago about the 
we sort of well we did our reaction episode to the new trailer so dawn of ragnarok um trailer and then this crossover trailer and with dawn of ragnarok in particular i mean i don't know how that's going to fit into the main story will it be an entirely separate standalone that you can just install and run do you have to have reached settlement level two or whatever and then avor goes off to to experience ragnarok we don't know yet i suppose we shouldn't speculate too much but what it's what's clear is is valhalla 20, november 2020 when it was released was the game now valhalla is the platform um and potentially all kinds of things can be bolted into that platform, like River Raids. Um, what's the other game mode they've got? Oh, Mastery Challenges. Dawn of Ragnarok, kind of a, a separate standalone. So it is, how do you keep that narrative? Or maybe you just don't bother. <laughs> maybe just go have fun. You, you drink some of Valka's mushroom tea and go have fun. It's fine. And and you know what? Some of these side, side content could be really enjoyable. I don't know. I'm, I reserve judgment at the moment. Um if if we enjoy it at all, man, it's like I have no complaint about any of the content that's been released. Like I don't like the river raids or the mass challenge, but the DLCs I loved. This Odyssey cross crossover in Valhalla, I can't get enough. You know, the only issue I have is that she's gone, and we can't have her as a permanent Joms Viking. Because if we could. Oh god! I would, Can imagine I, would spend, <laughs> I would spend more time doing rival raids just to hear the back and forward between Cassandra. Right. So this is April. a point we need to get to. The dialogue between them is fantastic. I mean, congratulations to the the writers um, because them snipping at each other and trying to, especially Avor, she is taking no shit at all, and Cassandra is a little more chill. She's not rising to it which is quite interesting. She's an older, wiser Cassandra, I think. Um, you know, younger, ancient Greek Cassandra would have, would have not let a slight go by um, and she would have kind of snapped back. But this is an older, wiser Cassandra and she just shrugs off Eivor's... What's, is defensive the right word? Or maybe I would just say so. cautious? But yeah, she's. I'm not interested in all this shit, you know? <laughs> but Cassandra's a bit more chilled. But the dialogue is tip top really enjoyed it it'd be, it'd be worth playing I, I have many i actually saved the game after each quest of this story so i could go back and replay it if i wanted to um i'd like to go back and take more picks but anyway um yeah the dialogue w- was superb i think actually we should probably talk overall the the story design um again one thing i want to call out which i really appreciated is so you, you've got these two characters you've got these two gaming worlds so we've got a very different structure very different world events very different lo- let's call them location objectives as they would have been in odyssey they're not we don't have the equivalent in valhalla um what i really liked was after that opening fight scene so we've got this misty churchyard and cassandra needs help clearing the mist avor again integrating the two worlds and the two characters avor makes it very clear i know this land i know what's wrong here there's a cursed symbol and I thought that was just very simple, like the throwing axes in, in the fight scene. Great way of showing the abilities that we are used to as Valhalla players in the fight scene. Having Eivor go and destroy a cursed symbol, not only it's a nice little thing to do from just from a quick gameplay puzzle point of view, but it uses the existing available um, 
gameplay options in a way that advances the story and it integrates them so tightly. I, I had to respect that. I thought that was great because they could have just had a cutscene and then walked off to the next scene. But no, they had a specific task integrated into the Valhalla sort of uh, world events in it and it worked really well. I, I will admit, I have to mention this because it was a point, biggest point. I don't like that cursed fog area. It hey, makes why? no sense to the law. Ah, because I have heard. Well, I have also discussed this many times. What are these cursed symbols? Is this an animus projection? Is Avor drugged, or is it? Is is she having like a psychosomatic reaction because she sees symbols that she's scared of, or or whatever? Uh, what do you think? Well, from looking at it, there is notes left in the world next to these cursed symbols from town folk who say they put these symbols up. And these are to scare off, you know, the Vikings, the Norse. So it is generally Eivor's belief. That's what they are, because the notes compel them to be the notes. These notes tell of town people putting them up to scare people away. So these are like, it's like us believing in something and somebody dragging it around. We're going to believe it. So having Cassandra come out of like, yes, there's a fog in this area. Let's go destroy a cursed symbol. It's like... You've just took something that was re- realistic, you know, a belief system grounded, and made it confusing, if that makes sense. Like, there's no reason for Cassandra to see the fog from the curse symbol. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. I- I'm going to blame it on mushrooms until I hear otherwise. <laughs> mushrooms. I, only, <laughs> I can only think of one logical argument for why she can see the mist. But I don't think it counts. And I don't know Go if you remember. I don't know if you remember. But there's a line in the very first fight where, or if it's afterwards, um, where Eivor, um, oh, what was it? Eivor or Cassandra asked why they've not been affected by the piece of Eden yet, and why they're ah, like yes, yes. My only thing would be. Maybe that they're not affected, but maybe Cassandra is sharing Eivor's beliefs. That's the nightmare that their division they're sharing is the beliefs, because everyone's having the same vision, a shared vision of an eagle bearer, a.k.a. Cassandra. Is it possible that maybe Cassandra and Eivor both have high concentrations of ISU DNA are sharing the same wavelength of this is my fear, this is my world? I'm not scared of an eagle bearer, but I am scared of this curse symbol. I, I mean, know. they Cassandra has an enhanced level of Isu DNA. That's the whole bloodline thing from Pythagoras and Marini. Um, Eivor? I actually don't know. Are sages... Jeez, I'm going to sound like a right idiot now. Do sages have an enhanced level of Isu DNA? in terms of a few percentage points like like cassandra does or on other tainted ones or are they effective when they've, they've kind of got the consciousness quote unquote of their their isu forebears so so avor has Havi's spirit soul consciousness i don't know the right word to use but is that does that mean she's almost like a clone or is it like hidden code in her dna this is getting a bit... I'm not sure now. <laughs> we need an expert on the law um, of sages to help us out here. I believe 
Um, I think they do possess exceptionally high level um, of ISU DNA. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So it, feel, it feels to me like then that even though they may have uh, obtained that high concentration through different routes, it's the same outcome. Yeah, because I think normal people, um, yeah, a normal genome for ESU um, DNA to human is not point not 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 five percent, but a sage can have up to from five percent to six percent in their genomes. Okay, gotcha. which it is considerably high because yeah. That if a human has like not a human barely has is just enough. So how much ASU DNA does Cassandra have? I, I I think there's either speculation or they may even be on the wiki. I don't know what the source would be if it's on the wiki. Um but it's a few percent. Um right. again think... that may be unsubstantiated, so to say. Um, um I'm probably going to say Cassandra will have the highest level because she is physically her father was an Isu, wasn't he? No, I don't no. think he was. I think he was human, but and again, my my exact knowledge of their dialogue is is not great. I don't remember it, but effectively, Pythagoras and Marini both had higher than normal levels or substantially higher than normal levels of Isu DNA. By making a child together, they would ensure that that child would would keep or even enhance that that level. Um, and Cassandra passed it on to Elpidios, and maybe she had other children. We don't know, I suppose. Um, so, if if let's say, if we know that that, and um, this is off tangent, but if we know that by the law, <laughs> I think I think a lot of this conversation is off. But this is great. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Carry on. If so if we go with the statistics, uh, Cassandra will have 6% ESU DNA. That's more than normal. I would say Cassandra must have higher than 6%. I'm going to say about 10% just to be a lot of average. Cause mm. high, high concentration. So maybe that's them two with the highest form of ESU DNA on the island. And their vision wasn't going to be an eagle bearer who actually set off the device, but of Cassandra because no, I mean Avor because Avor would have had more beliefs in the island. You know, Cassandra is a a nomad, a trespasser. She has no fears. I'm not being really rocking anymore. Really fear. She can't die. But Cassandra's whole. I mean, I'm gonna keep getting these people mixed up. Avor's life is just <laughs> pure okay. two two badass combat women, <laughs> warrior women. <laughs> But yeah, Avor's life is pretty much belief in God, so maybe the apple honed on that and Cassandra was just accidentally dragged along for a ride. It's interesting, isn't it? Because just on the God's point of view, I think, I don't know, again, my, my knowledge of Valhalla and every word that Avor says during the story is not great. I, I get the impression or have the memory that, that Avor is much more believing and connected to her God's. Um, whether that's her sage influence or just the fact that she, she's been brought up to believe the, in the Norse gods and, and hasn't seen any other evidence to shake that belief. Whereas I don't think Cassandra particularly is bothered by her 
Greek gods, not not during the time of Odyssey anyway, when she's a, a young woman. I would imagine 12, 1400 years of wandering the earth has probably taught her that all gods are false. But anyway, and they're all just, just Isu. Um, but I just think it's interesting that, that Eivor has retained that belief and Cassandra didn't at a similar age in their lives. Um, maybe that's a side effect of Cassandra's troublesome or troubled upbringing and, you know, what happened with her her adopted father. I blame Fear um, Volantis. Well, indeed, if you suddenly, I suppose that's a good point. If you suddenly see that your gods like Poseidon are not gods, they're just strange sky wizards with big fancy helmets, then yes, <laughs> yeah, that's going <laughs> to... Sky wizards. <laughs> that's going to shake your belief, isn't it? Um, I do want to return to the... Actually, before we return to the actual story... <laughs> I, I remember talking of these cursed objects. So that the, the very first thing you do after Eivor has met Cassandra is you need to destroy the cursed object to clear the fog so that Cassandra can continue her search for the piece of Eden um, or clues to find its location. You, somebody I remember in a very involved discussion on one of our discords, may have been you, mate. Somebody suggested, she might have been Louise. Somebody suggested that Perhaps these cursed objects contain a tiny fragment of an Isu shard or a tiny fragment of an apple of Eden, just enough to fog the minds and terrify normal humans, but someone with enhanced DNA, someone who is a sage, a, a sage, a tainted one, can approach it and deal with it. They still feel effects, like their vision goes foggy, they sort of stagger and lose their strength. But they can they can fight it and cope with it and deal with it. And I think that's a really neat explanation. It, it does beg the question, how did these fragments arrive there? Who who built this sort of shrine around them? But I like that as an explanation of what these cursed objects are. That has to be my favourite explanation. I'm going to go with it. You know, I have... England is the land of myths and mystery. You know, we have... Lie lines that connect every stone circle, which if a stone circle must be connected to the Isu, then the ley lines must be an Isu tunnel for some magic mumbo jumbo. So I'm going to agree with that. Every mm. curse symbol is a part Isu somehow. <laughs> let's go with it. Um, so I think in terms of, let, let's do a quick overview of the story. So, so I'll tell you what's strange is at this point, Cassandra becomes our quest giver which is rather strange to have the the whole game flipped around we've spent time playing as cassandra and receiving quests from all kinds of people and now we are playing and as avon cassandra is telling us here is your quest we meet here we go here we find these things so we we follow the clues and we find uh i suppose we could call it an ancient vault under the isle of sky um we need to unlock uh the door there and to do that we have to gather five shards it took me far too long, <laughs> I have to say, um, to realise that the shards, the little triangular shards that we are collecting from around the island, they are the same as the shards that were used in the pyramid that the Cult of Cosmos had underneath Delphi. Did you spot that, Declan? I did not know. Yeah. But that is yeah. such a cool nod. Yep. It was great. And again, it was a little thing. I just thought, I like this. I mean, It's a nice little... What I like is it, it. it's another way that they're making some of what we've seen in Odyssey, not unique to Odyssey, but a bit more of the the recurring established law. So there are these shards of 
un, let, let's say unspecified isu power or unspecified control i suppose they're kind of like keys aren't they you bring five of them together and they unlock the vault um you bring is it 42 of them together under delphi to build the pyramid i, I forget the exact number but um i liked that as a as a nod um to uh, to what we saw in odyssey um we unlock the vault there's a there's a bit more sort of um I tell you, once you unlock the vault and you've got the piece of Eden there on the far end of the vault, actually you've got to do some. You've got to do a a light beam puzzle, which again, nice callback to some of the light beam puzzles that we've done with um, with Layla on the um, what do you call it, the Animus anomalies. Um, yeah, Declan, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Just before we continue with the um, rest of the mission, I do want to make one point, if that's okay. Mm. There's one of the shards I hated collecting. Go on. And the reason for it is, another reason why I hate choices in Assassin's Creed is there's a woman who you have to fight, ah. bribe, or if you fight it enough, you get the persuasion. So I remember what my choice was. What was your choice? Well, I fight everyone, so I could just persuade her. <laughs> Good man. That's what I did. Cassandra's silver tongue. But... I love the idea of RPGs having canonical missions, which is what Valhalla does. You know, you have the canonical dialogue option, always. But you also have, like, information type options. I don't know if you've noticed that for a lot of the talk. So you can pick how the conversation goes, but it always comes up with one outcome. But Yes, yes, it doesn't actually matter what dialogue options you choose. Yeah, but I don't like the fact that when you've got these flight persuades a fight <laughs> i know it's a gameplay thing and people are like oh stop being nitpicky it's kind of like <laughs> what's canical i know we're supposed to be building kasan uh, aval but from what i see in the game is aval's not one person to go around throwing punches for no reason she does seem absolutely level-headed She's, so yeah yeah canically persuasion seems the most logical thing for everything in the game persuasion on money i can't see her go around throwing fists at everyone so let me ask you a question. Ooh. Do you did you spot so if you choose choose to flight or to charm, was it charisma? You have to be charisma level, whatever. Free, um, I think to, it was. To, yeah, to charm the the shard out of the lady's hands. Did you spot her later? I didn't know, but I don't know what's <gasps> looking. Let, oh, let me tell you. So the final scene it, when you're back at Kilteraglan and it's the wedding. It turns out that Ava and Cassandra have kind of gate crashed a wedding party and they're having some drinks and some fun. Um, the lady that you don't kill, if you choose, I guess if you choose to bribe her or um, uh, use your charisma, she's there and it's her daughter getting married. Now, what I don't know, and I have got a save game, so I could go back to that chapter and choose and choose to fight her and kill her. If you fight her and kill her, I wonder how different... The, I mean, first of all, she won't be there at the wedding in the the longhouse. Um, but I wonder if the dialogue for the wedding day would be different. Um, so that would be an interesting little thing to explore. On that point, then, I am now going to state on record that I now believe that persuasion is canically 100% logical because if she is the mother of the bride then i'm going mm. to say logically mm. you wouldn't fight her you wouldn't kill her yeah so i'm going to say logically because avor 
is a silver tongue. She'll talk to anyone, and the fight option is not the canon one. I could be wrong, but gotcha. that's my canon. That's gotcha. my head canon. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I wonder then. So when when they're coming to write the wiki guides and they're sort of doing like the, the talk throughs of each memory, how do they know? Are they just making a guess, or are they do they? Because I I haven't, been, I haven't read the. I do I do sometimes consult the wiki for the older games and the older sort of memories because they're just linear. I've never bothered to look at any of the the wiki guides for Odyssey or Valhalla to see what the story is. What I love, I mean, you know, respect to the wiki editors, they are they write every line of dialogue. So if you want to know the script, for example, of a memory, they're in the wiki. It's amazing. Um, but I wonder what they do then. Do they sort of flag one? This is the canonical choice here. But then it begs the question, how do they know? And we don't have a novel. Like with Odyssey, we had the novel that said that this is the ending. These are the people that survive. This is where Cassandra goes. This is the order she does her quests in when when, when, the, when the story branches. But we don't have that for Valhalla because we don't have a novelization. Um, um, so I wonder. Anyway, perhaps that's not um, really on topic. But From what I've seen of guides, um, what they do is, because Valhalla, it actually doesn't matter. They do tell you that oh, you have these combat options, but none of them matter because they don't change okay. the outcome. Okay. And I actually love that about Valhalla. I love that you can make your own character using Animus databases to build how she would speak, but you'll always get a canonical ending with everyone else. And yeah. that's yeah. how I want choices. I want yeah. choices to be something we can do for fun, but you'll never lose the canonical ending. You'll always get the exact same ending. Except for like you know punch Sigurd or not, but you've got to punch Basim. Um, did you? I didn't punch Basim. I did. in the game. Did you? Oh yeah, I would punch him again. I tell you what, I've got. A, I must take a picture of it and put it on Twitter. I have got a very cool T-shirt about this exact part of the story. So I must. Rem- I set a reminder to myself to uh, share a picture of uh, punching Basim. Anyway, we are, <laughs> we, are again, we are again way off topic. Um, so. We collect the shards, we unlock the vault, the cave of gold, as it's called. Um, there's a piece of Eden there. Eivor and Cassandra together kind of bring it under control. I'll be honest with you, actually, and it's only been four days. I think I finished it Sunday. So it's only been, oh my word, it's only been three days since I finished um, the story. I don't remember what happens next. Does Cassandra just kind of put it in her bag? I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I remember the, the final cutscene at the wedding uh, uh, festival, but I don't remember what Cassandra does with the piece of Eden. Um, I think she takes it. Truth, I think she takes it and then she says, you know, this is my destiny now because Ava goes to pick it up and Ava's like, oh, look, shiny Easter ball, it's mine. But she can't pick it up because mm. it's not Isu's <laughs> in... I think it's because Eivor, even though she's a sage, she's too weak to control the power. Yeah. She's not strong enough. You know, there's, if you look at the cutscenes slowly, which I'm glad you brought it up because this is getting some territory here that I've wanted to discuss. Okay. We've all, and a slight tangent, but I'm getting to my point. We all know that... There's a conscience living in the Shroud of Eden, right? I did not. Did you e- know? Etta, Etta made the Shroud of Eden because we see that in Fate of Atlantis, don't we? Yes. Um, what, but, somebody puts their conscience in the Shroud of Eden. I can't remember okay. who it was. 
in but, both of them because there's two, isn't there? I think it's the one in Syndicate because it's how Juno was defeated. You know, they put the shroud on her, and the conscience, you know, talks to Juno, telling her she's not strong enough, and then Charlotte kills her while she's distracted. Oh, okay. But the reason why I bring that's it a, up... That's in a comic, mate. I don't read comics. No, I, I, I found it on the wiki. <laughs> so the reason why I bring it up is when Eivor is struggling mm. to hold on to the Apple of Eden and Cassandra, you know, comes in, you see a shadow figure behind her. What? Materialise out of nowhere. and behind start Eivor. walking. Yes, like a big projection. What? And start walking. I will... You know, print screen. I have, I have all of the scenes recorded. Um, well, I need to go and see this. Do you mind if I quickly look it up now? Uh, I am, you know, while I'm discussing my point of view, I am. Please do, know, please do. Sharing a picture of the cutscene in Discord so you can see it as we're discussing. But you can see a figure walking behind Ava. You know, you can obviously uh, see the leg standing, the hand. Mm. Mm. I truly believe that this Apple of Eden. Was imbued with a spirit with a conscience of an Isu, what? and the reason why Avon. Yeah, there's an arm and a hand. Wow. And this is you know fan theory territory, but the reason why I believe Avon was weak compared to Cassandra mm. was because she's already imbued with an Isu conscience. Yeah. Her mind is already yeah. fighting the Isu conscience because she's you know Odin. Cassandra doesn't have that. Cassandra's open-minded, and she's got Alfie, uh, Alethea to back her up. So, yeah, it's and I think the whole power of Avar's mind destroyed the spirit because it just the Apple of Eden just goes quiet. And then, as I said, Cassandra's like, "I put it in my bag and I'm off." You know, we did it. But there is a figure there. There is something there inside the apple. That is and fascinating. That is cool as hell, in my I'm opinion. Just fast forwarding to the scene now. Um, so, as they walk into the cave, the piece of Eden shows them what would you call them? Visions. And what was really touching was they were visions of Cassandra's past. So, we see Spartan shields, Athenian shields, Greek columns. Um, and then we see a little eagle toy. Do you remember that bit? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, Hara, which is uh, Phoebe's little toy. And uh, what I really liked about that scene, apart from the the call back there, was these pieces of Eden are nasty, and they will do anything they can to, I guess, to stop you in your tracks or to distract you or to control you. So this piece of Eden, obviously, goes deep into Cassandra's psyche. And it pulls out something really emotional to try and distract her. And, and that's that's the thing it picks, which I thought was a nice sort of nod to their relationship, but also a nice way of showing that these pieces of Eden are pretty awful, you know, and must be destroyed. But the question is, how does she destroy the apple, Ellie? Because... People have been speculating for later that you cannot destroy pieces of Eden so easily. You know, if, I think if there's, you try, you're probably end up destroying the what crater in the world. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, there's there's the one in Syndicate, in is it Brewster's lab right at the start? Um, uh, Evie, 
isn't that one destroyed? I mean, they're, they're applying huge, we don't know, it's 1868, but they're applying huge amounts of electricity to it, aren't they? And I think that results in it being destroyed. But um, it does take down the whole building. <laughs> it does. You are right. It leaves a smoking crater. <laughs> so um, it's possible to destroy it with enough power, but the damage yeah. it would do is, it's like a, it's like trying to hit a, an atomic bomb with a hammer. <laughs> you're going to mm. break the bomb, but you're going to mm. destroy half of uh, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So that's an interesting point. What? So then what is Cassandra doing with them? Just carrying them around in her sack? <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's interesting to speculate. But um, yeah, that's a fascinating screenshot showing that figure um, in the background. So whose spirit is that? Maybe we'll never know, but... I don't know. I've just got this funny feeling now you said it. I don't know why. Have you ever read Lord of the Rings? No. I, I started and I just couldn't get into it. Have you ever read The Hobbit? I've seen The Hobbit. Uh, no. I've seen the original trilogy of Lord of the Rings films, but I've and I've not seen The Hobbit films, actually, funnily enough. Okay, well, I'm just going to make some fine eyes. It's a dream. So if Go you, for if it. You, please draw this. I'm imagining Smaug. As Cassandra just sitting on a pile of gold. Oh, Smaug, Smaug has yeah, he's, he's a dragon, isn't he? Yeah, so just yeah. Cassandra, like I have all this gold, Isu shiny stuff. I'm gonna sit on it like a king, like a dragon, and mm-hmm. ain't no one gonna do crap because I can't die. <laughs> Literally, someone's gonna go round to her her place where she's been hanging out for millions of years, and it's gonna be hard as paradise. Some random Isu <laughs> junk, old Isu junk. I love it. An Isu <laughs> junkyard. It's oh, gonna. Dear. It's like the shows, you know, harder next door, like Skyrim oh, beams of hilarious. people dumping cheese in her house. She's going to have like four garage fulls of just Isu yep. balls. And she's there'll just be like... Isu balls, there'll be swords, old spears, all sorts of crap. <laughs> Shrouds, all just thrown around. Oh, and She's brilliant. not got a care in the world. She's like, it's, it's broke now. You can have it for 50p <laughs> if you want, but you're broke. <laughs> I can't get out of head now. I've probably ruined everyone's image of Cassandra as just a no, dealer of Isu artifacts. It's brilliant. Um, so let's move on to the final part of the story. So we get to the the final. Uh, there's a wedding happening in uh, Kilter Raglan. Um, Avor and Cassandra have some drinks. There's a drinking contest between Avor and Cassandra. Uh, I lost the drinking contest. I am out of practice, and you need a bit of timing. Um, so, and I, I was getting on PC. It's space bar to to drink. And then it's A and D to, to sort of steady Avor as she starts to get drunk. And I was starting to get back into the muscle memory of, of tapping spacebar at the right time. And then as soon as it popped up the prompt for A to, to sort of lean left or lean right, I don't know. Um, my brain just totally scrambled. I messed it up. Avor choked on her, on her drink. And uh, I did that two or three times and I lost the drinking contest. So how did you get on? I really don't want to be mean, but I... I was really angry that Cassandra got the better of me in the, the uh, cinematic fist fight. So I couldn't let her lose a bar fight. I think ah, okay. I, oh God, this is going to sound so terrible. I saved the game before the drinking mini game, lost four times, reloaded the save each four times till I won. That's fine, mate. One a, once a one, I got a satisfaction that you know you may be able to kick my ass under a table, Cassandra, but I can drink you under a table. I think that's enti- that that's entirely fair. That's a gamer exploiting the game system to get the result they want. I didn't say with the flight, and she kept being this, and I was like, no, 
No, I want to openly admit right now that I believe Cassandra could beat Eivor in her fist fight, but I am not having my Eivor lose in <laughs> fighting or drinking. Love it. Love it. We're doing That's it. Great. That's great. I um so you do the you do the drinking. Um do you recall the conversation they have at the table? I don't recall, no. Uh so Cassandra teaches Eivor a Greek swear word. You know it. We all know it. We all know it. We're not even going to say it because we all know it. But it is a funny uh, bit of dialogue. The only thing that's a bit of a shame is that um, Eivor doesn't return the favour and, and uh, teach her the word background or any anything else like that because uh, that would have been quite fun. That that would have been. Imagine that. Just like ten years time, we see another game and just Cassandra's running around the square like a Viking. Oh, that, that would be hilarious. Yeah, I would yeah. pay to see that. But. I've got to admit, that is weird enough, the only ending that, that this game deserves. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's going to sound odd, but all the way through, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, the way the dialogue works, I think the um, the mission would have ended terribly if it was just like, shake my hand, get in a boat and go. But the... It's why I said at the start, I wish it was my Yom's Viking, and I'll do River Raids. Mm. Even though they have that little back and forth, they like best friends. The way they, you know... They the end they on a high point. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's really... It's true Eivor. That's truly Eivor. She don't... She even says in the... Uh, she even quotes and says, like, oh, after we've done a victory, we Viking celebrate. So she's teaching Cassandra the way of a Viking. Yeah. You know, we're going to celebrate. Yeah. And... That's perfect to the point of I hated it ending because which ending did you work. hate? Sorry, do you mean this story ending or yeah. the main game ending? And uh, not this ending because okay, because I just kind of felt with well, this ending, I didn't want it to end because Cassandra suits Avor's personality so good. It's like yes, I could play an entire game with just Cassandra and Avor. Because <laughs> having dialogue. them snipping at each other and yeah. sort of um, bantering and egging each other on to it, yeah, that would be hilarious. It reminds me, and I don't know why, of Evie and Jacob Fry. I've seen a few people make exactly that comparison, and it's I just, like it. It's just perfect for, it. and I think at the same time, I've got a mental image of the voice actors just having the biggest laugh in the world. You know, mm. Cecil mm. and. Oh, I forgot her name. Melisanthi. Melisanthi. I could just see them do having the greatest laugh ever. And, you know, it just made the campaign better with them two just being, you know, mind-blowing. Yes. Yeah, yeah there, there, was, there was good stuff there. Um, I'm going to just very briefly try and look up who the, the writer was because I ended up just through accident, but a, a very happy accident, um, in a in a brief Twitter conversation with the writer, and I basically said the writing is fantastic. Thank you so much. This is this is great. Um, so I just want to look them up. Um, so the writing was by ah, where is it? Okay, uh, she she's Kate M, uh, Kate K McMull on on Twitter. Um, lead narrative designer at Ubisoft Quebec. Previous work includes Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And Immortals Phoenix Rising, and so Ooh. apparently she wrote the um, the dialogue for um, 
for the Valhalla side of the crossover, and then another lady at Ubisoft Quebec, uh, Alyssa, who is Moss in Mind on Twitter. She wrote the um, Odyssey side, and I, I think the writing on both sides was amazing. And I've I've publicly thanked both of the writers and said <laughs> both of these stories were that the writing of these stories was fantastic because it really really was. Um, um, on about the fantastic writing. Sorry if I interrupted you. No, there. go for it, mate. Um, Claudio uh, ACY from the Mental Skills to shoot mm. something, and I do want to quickly give a shout out that even though I did see um, Wasimo post the details, apparently it was Claudio Sky who first published on Twitter. Yeah. So I have to give him thanks, you know, for the whole letters, but he's just posted a screenshot of. The Isu we see stepping out the shadows. There's a quote yes. that says, Unknown, honor our blood long after we're gone. Okay. And it's very, and he does say, you know, this quote is a bit ignat, ignat, in, enigmatic. Yeah. But if you say it very slowly, honor our blood after we're gone, Ava is a sage. Her blood is Isu blood. Yes. So you've got to honor the sages after they're gone. So maybe the device wasn't trying to take over Eivor because it can. Maybe it sensed that she was a sage. Mm. And she was, mm -hmm. you know, a warning that she needs to keep honouring our blood. And maybe that will tie into the Ragnarok DLC. And I've just made a big boo-boo there by jumping the gun a hundred years. But <laughs> imagine... How, how have you jumped the gun? I'm sorry. Because... We shouldn't be speculating Ragnarok because it's, you know, True. we don't know the gameplay details. So me speculating that a sage device is, you know, on our blood long after we're gone has me speculating that this encounter is what gets Eivor back into listening to Odin after she cast him out. Ah. So I'm jumping the gun a lot. Okay, I, I mean, I that, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, having that easy thing, you know, on our blood long after we're gone... You know, having imagined just that taking away an Eivor's brain for years, so she... It's a hard one, you know. Maybe it's like a tie-up for the Ragnarok. Mm. Mm. I don't know, I could be jumping the gun, but that's what I mean. No, it would be an interesting way of, of bridging the real-world story in Valhalla and then what looks like a very heavily mythical story in Dawn of Ragnarok and giving it a certain amount of grounding in um, in the real world, should we say. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good call. Just so much with the DLC that, you, you know, you don't know why. Mm. Mm. It could just be a really cool economic quote that means nothing, but I'm not going to be deterred that I believe it has something, you know, more to it than people may think, Yeah, personally. Yeah, understood. Um, okay, let's let's close out the story. So at the end of the wedding party, wedding festivities, uh, or actually during them, so they have their drinking contest, um, and Cassandra, no, <laughs> I'm doing it as well. Eivor goes to get another drink, and then the camera sort of pans, and Cassandra's walking out of the hall. She turns to look back at Eivor, and then she walks out, and she's gone. We don't know where she goes. We don't know where she may travel next. 
her story now is. I mean, I, I love the fact that Odyssey crossover closed that story so well. I like, I really appreciate this story we've had here in Valhalla. Um, of course, it leaves the door open for the future. And what did you think about that that final ending as she walks out? Um, I think it was perfect because the problem with Cassandra, and I, I'm wording a problem for a reason, is from a storyteller point of view, the potentials for a story is infinity. You've got an infinite amount of stories you can tell between the end, the fall of the Roman Empire, Cassandra could be there, you know, modern day settings, what she's been doing, how did she get that fancy suit at the end of Odyssey. So giving her a closing statement in Valhalla is just too risky. You know, it's like having a book and setting the characters up for a trilogy and then in book one you close in it where you think that's it, she's done nothing new. We still don't know about the Hidden Blade, so that's, you know, a thread still missing, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know where she's taking the Isu devices. We know why she's hunting them, but what else does she hunt them? And her disappearing, not looking back, you know, it's just further proof of the mystery of Avon, of Cassandra, and yeah. who yeah. is she really? And I just love that they don't close any threads, because if they did, it would ruin who she could be in the future. Yeah, I, I liked I liked the fact that it's left open. I, I, I know there's lots of fans of Cassandra who would be happy to see her back again soon. I'm a fan of Cassandra, but I'm more on the side of leave it be for a while. Um, I, I don't think it would be, I think it would almost, it, it might become a bit laughable if she pops up in every game <laughs> as a side quest. You know, just here popping in to, to get to get rid of a piece of Eden. See you soon. So I, I personally would be happy to to not see her again for a, a number of years. I'm talking real years. You know, we're now 2021. Um, maybe she will appear again in the future where it's appropriate, but um, they've left it open, haven't they? She may appear again. We we may get future crossovers or future stories that fill in her Cassandra story further back in time. You know, um, we don't know what she was doing. Well, we know what she was doing in Alexandria. She was leaving a scroll of Herodotus's writings in the Library of Alexandria, but we don't know what else she did in Egypt. So there's an obvious um, future location. Um, and date that we could perhaps see it but personally with, with the way that odyssey was closed so nicely with the way that this story you know gave us a little hint of what cassandra's ongoing task is i'm i feel happy um with how things have been done and how things have been closed what i would like to see and from a law point of view i don't know if this is possible so i could be like completely wrong but i would find it amusing if in, let's say, 10 years before, no, maybe in, like, the last year before she meets Layla, hands over the staff, um, she gets bumped into by a random person, and the, the person invites her to sit down for a coffee, and she sits down, and the person reveals that she's a sage, you know. Mm-hmm. But they remember their life as Avor. And I don't know if a sage ah. can remember their lives, so I could be wrong, but I think it'd be really cute like as she's like getting ready for her end her mission's closing a sage tells her about what Eivor did and how Eivor lived a life I think that would be kind of cool but that would be kind of cool I don't know if sages do remember 
some of their past lives, you know, I think it would be nice if they did, that'd be kind of a, maybe some do, some don't, I, I don't know, but could you imagine that dialogue, you know, just they're like, I remember being a I've Viking called Cassandra. Yeah. That would be like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I was a Viking called Eivor of the Ravenswolf. I don't remember much about my life, but I remember your face. That would be like, what? That would be, I like, again, I really like that as a possible future new spin on sages and what we know about sages. Um, could open up some interesting storytelling points, couldn't it? Because I think Bassim remembers his life as Bassim, but he also remembers his life as Loki. They they all, I mean, sages all, all remember their current life. So Jermaine remembers that he's Jermaine, but he also knows that he was getting visions of his, I don't actually know who he was a sage of was it Ata or was it someone else Ata because is it are they all lot. are they all Ata's sages or are there others I no we know there the are others law. of course we do because of Eivor and all the rest of it <laughs> I mean in the law Ata is the only known sages out before Valhalla mm. yes you're right but you're right. I, I could be wrong I think that's why Valhalla is the best for the sages because I know people are going to argue, we can't make all Isu gods. I get that. 100%. You can't, no. But the idea of a sage device making hundreds, that makes it more believable. And kind of mm. Isu mm. be like, you know, we may be able to not stop a catastrophe, but hey, let's cheat death. And yeah. to me, that just, and not to be crude, but that's just me imagining a ton of Isu just giving middle finger to the Turbic Tastry, just like screw it, you can kill us now but mm. we'll be back in a hundred years mm. so do your worst you can't yeah. beat us and yeah. I kind of like the idea they're just little jokerly, just, they just last laugh at time and death <laughs> I'm a very I have person no, not at all, not at all. Um, I have one final question for you um, there are some world world events so there's a stone circle although you do that as part of the story anyway um and then there are a couple of other small world events there are also some pieces of treasure on the isle of sky so there's the usual tungsten and whatnot but there are a couple of unique um epic weapons did you find those sadly i didn't you know i just sped through the story just so i could okay get it done because i haven't found any giant in return to valhalla's world and that's not Say that again, you, you haven't enjoyed going back. No, that's not like a problem with Valhalla. I will admit that now. That's just me as a player. I don't I don't like revisiting RPG worlds. I like just to do side stuff and then once I finish the campaign, I don't play the game again. Yeah. It's why it takes me so long because when I go back into a world where I haven't done the campaign and I've done the campaign, there's never any urgency to keep doing side quests. I get there's your no point. Urgency Definitely. to level up, so... I may not do them, but with Ragnarok coming, I may do them so I can level up. Because I ended the entire campaign of Avar at 366 power. Oh, really? Oh, so, okay. So you've got some way to go then. I know people keep saying this, like, but this is like why when everyone's like, oh, you you need like the M microtransaction gear to get good. No, you, you need don't. the time savers. I'm like... No, I'm don't. here on 366. I beat the entire campaign on normal. Yeah. I have master stealth setting on, so it's the yeah. hardest stealth setting because I'm a, I'm a numpty. And I'm on like 360. 
and I walked nah, up to a I mean... stone bear in Jotunheim at 400 and I beat it and mm. I was like yeah mm. just shoot it with a ton of arrows it's fine yeah I mean I, you, I'm you, I'm like power level whatever the highest power level is now 475 or something with the new new points they've added yeah, in there stronger than me what do you call it but <laughs> everything kind of scales with you anyway so what's the point and if you want to just set it to easy or, or whatever i think you can adjust the enemy's scaling as well so yeah it doesn't matter i i won't spoil it do i spoil it no i won't spoil it but there are two weapons on the island that are nice to collect that's all i'll say i'll have um, a look so collect those just to have them in your inventory they've got some oh, the, the spear has i mean i like i'm a dual spear wielding uh, warrior anyway as you know um, so finding a spear was nice. Um, so I have now equipped that spear because it has got some nice, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not the runes, like the, the set bonus or the, the gear bonus to your combat. So yeah, w- worth doing, my friend. I have this really weird obsession of building Avar as swords because I like the mental skilled sword designs, a bow, mm-hmm. and that's it because I just feel like Assassin wants to equip light. And a big spear is a vampire coring off a rooftop. And the spear is <laughs> You're not wrong there. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I'm doing Weep of Fear, if all you're going to hear is a snap, oh, wait, there's another spear broken. Get the tip, <laughs> fellas. Get the tip. <laughs> you do make a good point. My, my Ava with her two sort of eight-foot-long spears is not going to be very uh, agile for parkour, perhaps. Then again, the fun fact, and this is totally off topic, you could be... On an eagle viewpoint, two guards, you're getting ready to leap a fear. Just launch the spears. You know, launch them at the guards, leap a fifth, they're dead, you get up, pick your spears. Mm. No damage done. You've got into the restricted True. area. True. Two quick and easy assassinations. If you can throw a spear that well, then I'm running the other way just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but I will applaud anyone who can do Valhalla's combat with spears because I've tried it for 20 minutes and I struggled like mad. Really? Yeah, I just couldn't get the flow of it. Build, build for speed. You, 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 you use, you know, lightweight build, build for speed, uh, parry so you can open up. I, I love it, mate. It's fast and furious and well, it, it, you you do a finisher, which is like a sort of 360 spin of the blade. So it's good for dealing with you're surrounded with um, many enemies. So I, I do like it. I kind of have um, my entire ruin set to stealth and assassin damage just because, and I know it doesn't work all the time, but I love getting guards running at me and then I just play dead. It's just so hilarious. You play dead, they walk off and then jump up and assassinate one. It's like, ha! Gotcha. It's funny, I've never built for assassination in Valhalla, especially when um, you've got the option to turn on guaranteed assassination. So I just build for melee. Um Although I, I, I am, now that they've improved the stealth, I am playing more stealthily. I did several of the locations here on the Isle of Sky stealthily and it kind of worked and I didn't get detected through walls and it was a bit more forgiving. So I think the changes they've made in the new patch um, are good. I, I've had a lot of fun. You know, I've, I've set some stuff, you know. I think I just turned off the amount of guards that would chase after you in the duration just because... We can't double assassination yet, but since making the duration a bit shorter so they get distracted easily, so they walk off, I'm having a ton of more fun of like stab, bush, stab, bush, smoke bomb. It's kind of fun. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So I think that's all the time for tonight. Unless you don't have any more points. I think so. Uh, I think we've covered the, the story. We've spoken a bit about how Cassandra fits in, what it means for Eivor, what might happen in the future. It's been a really good conversation. I mean, I, I enjoyed the story a lot. I think for me personally, the Odyssey half had more impact, but that's because I've probably because I've just spent more time in Greece and I just never thought for one second um, that we would get a new, entirely new map and an entirely new story in this three-year-old game. And we did. It was amazing. Um, but it's nice to have Cassandra back um, in Valhalla. I, I enjoyed the content. I enjoyed the quests um, and, the, and the story. And as we've said, the dialogue between them is is great. So yeah, it's been a really good discussion and great content to have in Valhalla. And I only want New Game Plus now just so I can play through this DLC Yes, again. please. Yes, please. New Game Plus. <laughs> New Game <laughs> Although, Plus is... To be fair, they are you know, the, the, the post-release dev team. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he did say in an interview, that'll be the last thing that we do. Um, so it could be another year away yet, to be honest, it, New Game Plus. I, I think New Game Plus is just technically near impossible for Valhalla. Apparently so, but I don't really understand why. Um... The best way to explain it is there's no loot pools. There's no what, sorry? No loot pools. Okay. So you know how in Odyssey you kill guards and all the weapons just spawn? Yeah. Well, because Valhalla has specific locations for weapons, skills, such and such. Yes. What they'll have to cater is if you, James, complete 100% of the map and endgame and you want to do a new gameplay trophy... Yeah, the devs would have to figure a way of removing all those unique chests and skill books from the world. Otherwise, you'll be left with areas where you can't get all the wealths because you've already got the weapons. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not a developer. I suppose maybe I shouldn't comment. It doesn't seem that difficult to me. Just hide them from the map. There is that, but then you got to think of, let's say, Yorvik has. I think that's one skilled book in there mm. so let's just say one guy has completed 99% of it he's just got one skill book in Yorvik they'd have to then work out how to hide all the stuff and count as completed on the wealth stuff this one guy except this one trophy and then you may get someone who's sped run it with nothing left so it's true trying true. to make sure everyone's game registers that you yeah. complete yeah. locations and- I mean on the gear side I, I don't bother well I've stopped uh, when when I finished Odyssey and was kind of done with it I had level 99 gear everything was fully upgraded and I thought yeah I feel like I've I've exhausted this game and I've had a great time and I kind of wondered if I would do the same in Valhalla would I would I upgrade every piece of gear to epic level and, and the top level of all the upgrades you need a lot of materials for that farming materials is not very exciting there's not that many materials in the world so I lost interest but it seems to me that a new game plus where let's say you loot Varin's axe again or something that's a bad example because I think you get that in the story but you go and loot a unique weapon like the Yingling Sei axe um, why not have it that when you loot it again in the new game plus it auto upgrades it to the top level as like a little free gift you know well done for doing a new game plus here's a here's a free gear upgrade that could be a bit of fun you know that would work you know that would solve a lot so if it auto looted every chest and everyone would get the top rated gear, which would be perfect. Mm. Um, if you've already got everything on the top rated, you'll just get tons of materials. 
So if you've got stuff that you need to upgrade, you can upgrade. And if you've got leftover uh, abilities, you could just get gold or some other currency. Yeah, why not? That could why work. Not? I could what see that working. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I look forward to that because I would like to play the story again, but I don't really want to have to... Um, I don't want to grind every side location and every story arc. I just want to do the the bare minimum of the Eivor, Basim, Sigurd story, kind of soak it all in, and then I'm done. That's what I would like to do. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully they'll add it in. But this moment in time, it took me near enough four months to complete the game. I don't want to do four months again. No, same. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same, mate. It was was released what was it early 10th of november 12th of november and yeah. i finished it well i finished the main game around two months later middle of january and that was that was long enough <laughs> i'm afraid <laughs> to say it was great journey but kind of avoid spoilers with war yeah yeah it was a nightmare on my end so so thank you again for such an amazing episode and Fun fact, we're recording this on the 21st. This is our final episode of 2021. Mm. So this episode... It's been a good year, mate. It's been a really good year. It has. So this episode will be out New Year's Day. So our first episode in 2022. Yep. So it will be officially the first episode of year three of the show. I I don't... I feel weird saying the show's been running for three years when I used to sit down on the sofa going... I don't think it'll last more than two. <laughs> what can you talk about for three years? So We are not running out of content yet. Not oh yet. no, I've got tons of stored up. I had a bath the other day <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, what could I talk about next? And then mm. I started thinking about Arno and Jacob and everybody else. And I was like, ah, maybe we could talk about Arno. But I don't know why. I, I mean, you know me, ideas. I'm always happy to talk about my favourite uh, baguette assassin, so why not? Oh, I know, this is so cool. So, thank you everyone for joining, and I hope you have a great new year. I hope you had a great, yeah, new year, happy new year. And I happy new year to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you had a nice Christmas as well. <laughs> it's like time travel, planning yeah. this stuff yeah. in advance, my brain's fried. Um, thank you everyone for listening all through 2021, I know it's been a long year and hopefully 2022 is better um if you'd like to offer your opinions on the crossover stories and please reach out to twitter at ac let's talk and at james to the quid or you can email me at assassin's creed and gmail.com and thank you all for continued support and in 2022 we will be evolving the show just from let's talk assassin's creed which is what we are we always talk Assassin's creed but as explained in Twitter thread, we want to involve you, the community, a lot more. So we're going to be evolving from just our regular talk show to getting you guys, the community, involved. So hopefully 2022, we can have more community members joining Definitely. and having some fun. So thank you everyone for listening and see you all next week. See you soon. Bye-bye.